All right. Hey, everybody. Whoa, that's new. Mm -hmm. I never got that before. Uh, it, it said, this meeting is being recorded. So that I heard must it, be, yeah. Yeah, this must be a new feature. I, yeah. It has not happened previously. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining, everyone. I'm here with uh, Jeff Swartz, uh, president and founder of Ethic Advertising. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining me, Jeff. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, for having me on. Uh, you know, we've been chatting over the last few weeks and enjoying it. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate the invite and and, uh, and opportunity to maybe give a little bit of insight or at least kind of regurgitate what my experience was uh, to, to students that are entering a very unique uh, workforce at the moment or, or soon to be entering that, that workforce. Yeah, and this is actually why I wanted to have you on because of those conversations and I think the great advice you'll have to, uh, to offer them. Um, so I need to know, where did you get your foot in? What was that? Yeah, where'd you get your foot in the industry? Where was that? What was that moment that, that, that realization like, oh, I need to be in advertising and, and marketing and communications? What was that, that moment? For you. Yeah, it, it was actually in college. Um, so I I toyed around with when I went to college of either doing zoology or or veterinary. And of course, my my dog creeps up on me right now. Cute, cute with the animal stuff. You're um, obligated to show the dog now. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, it was I was either gonna do zoology or um, veterinary, uh, become a veterinarian. Uh, or I was going to get into advertising. I kind of knew that early on. And as I, I was probably 20 when I got an internship at an ad agency and I was already leaning that way, um, you know, before then, but really what had happened is I, I kind of fell in love with that agency kind of thing. I got the experience at a small ad agency in Dayton. Um, uh, I went to school at university of Dayton. So I stayed out there for a summer. And the owner really put me through the ringer on learning and getting experience in a bunch of different areas. And that's when I kind of realized, you know what, I, I can do this. Like this is, this is what I want to do is open up my own shop. Mm -hmm. But at 20, I didn't have the money. I didn't have um, uh, the skill set, and I, and I knew that to, to be successful. So I actually, you know, decided to go acquire the capital to go acquire the skill set over the course of about 10 years before I opened up my own shop to where mm -hmm. I could be comfortable doing that and think that I would have success. And I graduated in 2007. So I graduated during the, the recession period, like at, towards the start of it, it was a very turmoil, uneasy kind of time period, similar yep. to what we have now and different in a lot of ways. Um, and it was just, it, it was a tough time to get a job, um, let alone start a company when no one was spending money, um, when I was young and didn't have skill sets. So that's what <laughs> I did is, is in college, I figured that this is what I wanted to do. And I made it my, my goal. And I spent, you know, time working at CBS television, working at a, um, a, a decent sized ad agency on like church's chicken and Zales jewelry across the country and stuff like that. Um, and then you know, a couple of other things here and there that allowed me to get to a point where I finally was like a now or never moment and decided to take the leap. And now I'm five, over five and a half years into ethic advertising and it's been working out pretty well. 
Um, I, I love your story because you and I are pretty much the same age and we have our, our careers kind of hit the similar beats at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I got my, my bachelor's in 2007 and I, I was already working in the industry at that point. And it was in, it was 2008 when I decided like, I want to run my own practice. And so I started it while I was still working for Heinz. So it was just like glorified freelancing, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was after I left Heinz and started teaching full time is when that kind of kicked up a gear. But, you know, to your point, the, uh, the, the money just wasn't there. Uh, there was not a lot of, not a lot of clients. Uh, the clients that there that were available, they had low budgets, minimal vision. It's like everyone was just suffering from low self-esteem for, from 2007 to 2009. Um, yeah. and, um, I'm, I'm curious about like what your, what was your first client experience like with ethic advertising? Uh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to have a couple of clients, but I, I honestly, a lot of times when you leave a sales role in the advertising uh, world to do your own agency, which a lot of people have um, done that, there's been some successful practices that have evolved that way. There's also um, a lot, you know, most of them don't uh, succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times what they do is that they leave with a book of business or with a flagship client and everything. So one of the, the only person that I really talked to about me opening up my shop, cause I was getting some advice from him, uh, was somebody who was really big into, um, uh, cash for cars. So, you know, the craze was still going on. Like it was everywhere. They were making money hand over fist cause scrap metal prices were up really high. And right when I launched, Scrap Metal tanked. So he was my flagship client that I was going right. to be able to uh, to kind of rely on to get me started. Uh, because when I launched my company, I only needed to make $17,000 a year. Um, I was right. debt-free. I, you know, I, I had a little bit of savings to get towards this endeavor for a year. I was living in a duplex that I, I owned, so half of the duplex was paying for it. So I positioned myself to not have to make a lot of money, which I think is really important for young people sometimes you don't have to make a ton of money being debt free and being having that, that side of freedom can equal a big salary a lot of times. Right. But because scrap metal tank, my client um, ended up not being able to pay his bills right away and ended up, he laid off half his staff. He, you know, he, he brought everything in house, stuff like that. So it, it, it ended up me being kind of stuck um, for really just a couple of weeks until I landed an even bigger client that really, took that over because you never know what's around the corner. You never know how things, these things are going to gonna go and play out because you're at the mercy of other people's industries and other people's businesses. Right. Um, you know, if they do well, then the business service um, uh, providers to that company will also do well. If they do poorly or if something rocks industry like coronavirus, then you're going to be affected by that too, um, as well. So this is interesting kind of thing. So when I launched my agency, um, that particular client was with me for just a short amount of time and then ended up being the first one that owed me money. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're friends. I worked something out with him. He also owned a mechanic shop that I basically got my car worked on free for like two and a half, three years, uh, yeah. and everything until that, that credit was paid off. 
So it was a, it was not a fun experience initially, but it turned into a positive and, um, you know, things are good for both of us. Now. Um, I, I, I love the strategy that, that you've, you implemented there to ensure that, you know, ethic was lean and mean and was able to be agile and flexible given the economy, but also the, the lethargy of some clients, not just in their ability to respond to the work or respond to you, but their ability to pay for it. Uh, I've mm -hmm. been at the mercy of many clients like that. And, um, it always hurts to have the conversation with them like, Hey, sorry, we can't launch your huge campaign because you, you didn't pay your tab. Right. Yeah. So, um, but to your point, like, you know, having, if, if your initial goal was to make a minimum of 18,000, $17,000, that's surprisingly attainable. That's one of the things that I tell my students, like you guys can like, you're entering an economy that, may not have room for you start your own thing mm -hmm. and you could you know you can make a modest living you could um you know uh make your own opportunities but they're like it's gonna take too long to make any kind of salary and i'm thinking like you can make 18 grand real quick mm -hmm. really quick if if you know what you're doing you've got the good network if all the other things are in place you can make that amount of money very quickly. And in fact, you can make that amount of money on like one specific client or mm -hmm. just a handful of them. So they don't, they don't necessarily have a good understanding of the economics of, of advertising and design uh, in practice. So as mm -hmm. soon as I kind of tell them that and, you know, give them realistic figures, uh, then like, oh my God, this, this is awesome. Like, why didn't I think of this before? I'm working at Denny's. You know, like, yeah, you should be doing this right now, especially if you're a student. So, yeah, students have and, and, and people in individuals who just graduated often have um, they they look at all the hurdles and they get blinded by the opportunities that they have. And there's opportunities at every stage of life um, and everything. And, you know, although I was 29 when I launched my company, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I was in a position to where I got, you know, paid off the car, got kind of debt free, got to that kind of thing. So I know a lot of students have debt, which is, which is a bummer, but I can tell you as a entrepreneur, as a father of a two and a three year old, um, as somebody that has, you know, real estate investments and all these responsibilities, the older you get, the more responsibilities and less time that you have. And I always preach, I talked about this even today. I, 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 I talk about this every single week, it seems, uh, with somebody that in advertising and in your personal life too, you have two budgets, you have two pots of money. Um, and for a, um, a business to get leads, for example, they have the money pot that they invest in advertising, marketing, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then they have time. Time is such a precious, valuable currency that people don't think about budgeting it. They don't think about how to maximize it and use it. Yep. Where dollars is a little more tangible and it's a little bit easier to understand. But if students think about the time that they have and identify a actionable plan to use that time mm -hmm. and probably sacrifice, and it's not for everybody, and there's nothing wrong with having fun and everything. And I, right. I know that I did. And I think about you know, how far ahead I would be if I did some more sacrificing beyond what I had already done. But, you know, if, 
if they don't go out and drink every night if, uh, of the weekends and everything, um, if they don't, you know, if they, they don't binge watch all the time, if they just decide to t spend a little bit extra time to learn something and be within the industry that they want to be in and do their own thing rather than working at Denny's, they can right. accomplish a lot more. So identifying those things and then just doubling down, and they have to realize is that they have a lot of time. They can invest in doing something like this for one, two, three years and decide that they don't like it. They don't want to do it. But then they have that skill set. They have that experience right. that they can put on a resume um, and everything. Or they end up loving whatever that thing that they're doing, and then they found, figured out what it is. And from an early age, they got their, their kickoff, their, their onset. So that, that time element is, is, is huge for um, young individuals because not all of them, but for the majority of them, they have that in spades in comparison to money. And as you get older, what tends to happen is you have more money than you do time yeah, uh, and everything. And that's where you have to pay for, you know, stuff to get done as opposed to working and figuring out and doing it on your own and building up your own skill set. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. I mean, I don't know how to follow it. You just you, you nailed it. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I was thinking about what, um, well, let me ask you this. When you started ethic, did you have, advisors or any mentors that you leaned on to kind of help you guide the business, especially in its formative year and, or even get you to the point where, you know, who you need to talk to to actually formalize this company, et cetera. Who are your mentors? Who are your guiding lights? I, I really like the idea of mentors. If you can find the right one. And if you could go out and go look for a mentor, you want to find somebody who's doing what you want to do and somebody that um, is doing it the way that you want to do it and really interview them. You know, it's a, it's a two way street. Just because someone's willing to be your mentor doesn't mean that they're the right fit for you. So you, you don't always have to say yes. Mm -hmm. So I really like the idea of mentorship, but I'm a big believer that you don't need one. And it's not a good idea to just have one mentor. Cause then you only have one person's experience. Maybe they're really intelligent, really good, depending on what right. mentor you pick. But I really like the idea of learning from multiple different people so you get multiple different points of views and opinions and then it allows you to either pick and choose what you like what works for you or identify what successful people are all saying the same thing and then latch on to that and figure out five out of five people that i talked to said the exact same thing there's got to be something to it mm -hmm. uh, and everything so for me when i you know because I took a bit of an odd path of having about a decade of knowing what I wanted to do, I, I spent 10 years learning from people um, and mentally logging this information in preparation to launch Ethic. So it wasn't just, hey, I launched my company, I need to find some, from somebody. It was right. learning from people along the way and being able to take what I learned and apply it to Ethic. And then since I've launched Ethic, I have reached out to other agency owners. I have talked to, um, you know, I've taken opportunities to talk with some, some pretty big people. I have a, a really good confidant um, who is a C-level individual at like Vayner Media. I have my old internship um, uh, uh, boss from 16 years ago or 15 years ago. 
um, that I'll reach out to and we'll spitball and, and everything, some ideas. I have people, you know, that are outside of the industry um, and everything that I'll talk to about this. And the neat thing is, especially early on when you're just getting your start, um, you're not that threatening to them. So they're willing to kind of share a lot. But even as you become more of competitions or competitors, you, you can still have that collaboration. And it is very rare that you run into somebody that is like, no, I don't want to tell you my secrets. No, I don't want to do anything. People are very eager to talk about themselves a lot mm -hmm. of times. So there's that ego, egotistical manner. But they're very eager and they understand where students and recent graduates have been because they've been there. They understand how it's a struggle. And they understand that now more than ever, because there is an, a, a global pandemic, it's even more of a struggle. And it's been a a very great silver lining during this thing to make connections and find yes. people that just are looking to help, even if you are an established business or an established professional. People are 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 looking to help one another and figure this out um, because really we're in this in this together and that camaraderie is is really neat to see. And and I'll tell you what if if you are a if you have half a brain in your head and you're young and you can follow direction and be coachable and you follow up as well too, and you can communicate and just work on that. I mean, people are going to eat you up. They're going to bring you in and you can easily find somebody that can become that mentor, that coach uh, mm -hmm. for you and take you under your wing. Um, because I'll tell you from experience, a lot of young people, don't follow up. They don't do basic communications that a lot of people. Oh, not uh, at all. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's all that 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 we're looking for. And in tapping into young individuals, it, there's a lot of resource, a lot of talent there. Um, but you have to communicate. You have to be hungry and want to do what you're doing. Otherwise, a why are you doing it? Find something else mm -hmm. to do that you enjoy, um, and everything. Or b the person that is trying to help you is going to become discouraged and like, why am I spending my time on this? Because no one has time. No one has free time nowadays. Everybody's busy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I found that the, the mentors that, or the people that want to be mentors, they will give that time willingly, freely. You barely have to ask for it, you know? Um, and I found that, so you and I will be those people later. We are now. I mean, we'll happily give our time and advice. Um, but, you know, when we're later in our careers, we're still going to be proactive and want to network and connect with younger people and kind of nudge them along and be annoying. Like, hey, you didn't follow up with me. Uh, I've got a lot of things to say, you know. Um, but to your point, yeah, people love, especially successful people, love talking about their successes. That doesn't necessarily mean they're egomaniacs, but what they're trying to do is use themselves as a case study to teach you something. So mm -hmm. really, it's not ego-driven, it's teacher-driven, you know? And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the mentors that, that I've had across my career, and um, I'll, it, I'll tell you how uh, I started my first business. So I didn't grow up in Pittsburgh. I lived in Warren County, Pennsylvania in the Allegheny National Forest. Like I saw mm -hmm. bears in my backyard, right? Um, so when I came to Pittsburgh in 2003, I knew nobody or nothing. I had never even been in a city bigger than Erie before. And even my connections to Erie were very minimal. 
Like I went to Presque Isle and that was about it, right? Never mm-hmm. downtown. So it was a huge new world for me. And, um, you know, I was able to, to make mentors out of the teachers that I had at my first school. And then even after my second one, I graduated and a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I just got my bachelor's degree. I don't need to talk to those professors anymore. I don't need to talk to those teachers that shaped four years of my life almost in their image, right? And um, I, I don't need to talk to them again, but I made it a point to always talk to my design professor. And I lived near him after I moved to, back to Pittsburgh in 2007. And uh, we would meet up at Panera Bread like once every weekend. And until I got my foot in, you know, I got, uh, I got, a, I got the job at Heinz and I was doing some stuff. I was on the AIGA board. Um, but it was when I started my first company, I decided to look at mentors from, uh, outside of the design perspective. So I went to score, uh, service Corps of retired executives thinking like, okay, there's gotta be someone that is in advertising or marketing. And if you've ever dealt with score, they're very retired, (laughs) uh, uh, folks there. So I ended up meeting with the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, a retired uh, manager of Mount Lebanon, right? City manager, borough township manager, whatever it is. And um, I met with him at the Mount Lebanon library and, and he get, gave, gave me all of this advice that didn't mean anything to me at the time. And it was useful later on, but I'm just thinking like, this guy doesn't know anything about communications or advertising or the things that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. But what he did give me was good advice on just dealing with people. And as a city manager, you're dealing with residents and businesses constantly. So I learned a lot about patience through, through uh, him. And if Mm -hmm. you're in advertising more specifically, if you're in sales or you're in client representation, um, or client management, rather, you have to have patience. Mm-hmm. So I fortunately was able to build that into my first practice as much as I could. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, but the, the funny thing about it is that I'm on my fourth company now. And ironically, I'm primar- primarily working with municipalities, which is what that guy represented all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the connection point here for, for a design mentor was, the people, the, the designer rather that designed the branding for Mount Lebanon, his name was Dennis Moran. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dennis Moran. He uh, started, he started AIGA Pittsburgh with Rick Landisburg back in the seventies. And um, Dennis uh, gave me a lot of really great advice and feedback on running a design practice uh, from multiple perspectives from the client side from the creative direction side, like everything you need to know. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that like in hindsight, there were these little seeds that were planted all those years ago that led me to now running a company where I brand communities, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like the, the, the seeds were there long ago and it just, it finally nudged me towards something. Um, But that's, that's the value of, those mentors. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, 
So, so graduating students can rely on, they could reach out to you and say, Hey, I'd love to learn more about your experiences and, you know, put me to work, put me in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done the panel for the last few years at like, um, uh, Pitt's, um, uh, AMA, uh, and everything. I've done guest lectures and, and stuff. And it is a incredibly small percentage because I mention a lot of times this exact thing of, of going and talking to people. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, you know, even, you know, talking to me, something like that, and everybody's engaged. It's always a relevant kind of thing. And it's a small percentage that actually will reach out. Um, and one of the lectures that I gave was um, at Robert Morris. And the, the class, the, the subject turned to mentors and connecting and networking and that kind of stuff. And, yeah. um, and, and I said, you know, use every opportunity because you're not just, you know, if someone can't help you because they don't have the skill set or they're not in there, what they're going to do next is they're going to think about who do I know that does, right, who do I exactly. know that that's the right, the right fit to help out. And there it was like 20 some odd students in this class. And I, I just to agnosium kept on saying, ask if you have somebody who's in the, that industry, in that world, cause we're talking about what each of them want to actually do ask. And I just kept on saying, if you have someone right in front of you, Ask because a lot of the things that these people wanted to do, these students wanted to do, um, I had connections to make those. And finally, I, I, I just had to say, listen, like, I know people, there's a girl in there that, in the class that had, um, had a dream to do marketing for performing arts. Um, you know, one of my former employees and friend of mine does marketing PR for Pittsburgh Musical Theater. Uh, mm -hmm. She's incredibly talented and good and, and everything. And I knew that. And, and um, uh, uh, and the student just, you know, was just kept on nodding and nodding and nodding and right. then never asked. I said, no, ask me. And then I'd said, okay, you need to go talk to Lindsay. And I said, let's go through this. Let's see what happens. And I would say about 80% of the, the, the people that were there, I had somebody that I could connect them with. And I have no idea. I know that this girl actually connected with Lindsay because I heard, um, but I have no idea who, who actually did the follow-up and everything, but it's just about that follow-up and people appreciate that. They don't expect yeah. it nowadays. Anybody that's, that's been in the workforce and, or wants to help individuals don't expect it. I'm actually offering an internship to a girl um, today uh, and part of the internship was to see if she would follow up. And that's mm -hmm. what it was contingent on. I was not gonna follow up with her because of the way that we had left the last conversation and everything. Yeah. And, I, and I said, if she follows up with me, then, then it's hers and she did. Uh, and everything. So, uh, you know, she's going to become our intern. If she didn't follow that's up great. with me, she would not be our intern. So people yep. like to test. They want to see because if that's how they're going to be with me, that's how they're going to be with my clients. That's how they're going to be an extension of, of my company, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, every opportunity and sometimes get out of your shell. Like I know that there it's, it's tough if you're an introvert and, and everything, but Figure out what works for you of how to connect with people. Maybe it is social media. Maybe it is networking, Facebook. We're not face-to-face -face right now, but someday <laughs> right. face-to-face. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just kind of reaching out and doing Zoom calls or, or, or phone calls or, or something. Or just starting with the people that you know that you're comfortable with and saying, hey, this is what I, I think that I want to do. The other thing that's important is 
a lot of students don't know what they want to do. Right. Which is absolutely okay. But what mm -hmm. they should do is figure out what do I want to do right now? What do I think that I might like doing for the rest of my life and go after it? Mm -hmm. Invest that one, two, three, four years into seeing if that's what you really like. Because, you know, in it might seem like a long period of time, but in the whole course of a 40 some odd year career, you're talking about you know, probably two to 10% of that career, building a skill yep. set, getting experience and everything, and then realizing, okay, cool, I wanna go spend the 95% of the rest of my career doing something else. Maybe that's what you want. But well, yeah, that's probably what I'm gonna do now. Yeah, you, and you don't know what you don't know. And, and sometimes like, you know, I have students that are really interested in just doing branding work. And I have to tell them like, you know, that's all well and good if that's what you want to do, but it's not the only thing that you're going to do. There's always pieces to doing a brand that you're not even thinking about. So like, yeah, you may, you got the design aspect down, but you have to think about all the other points of interest that affect a singular brand solution. You know, what, how's the, how's the, the business going to be affected? What's their over, what's, my God, what's their business model? What's their framework? What's their mm -hmm. communication strategy, marketing strategy, all of those things. Uh, mm -hmm. How's their supply chain for God's sakes? You know, <laughs> uh, you really have to know a lot about a business in order to, to brand it. And it's not as simple as just making a logo. So those students that really want to make logos, essentially what they have to become are curious researchers, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I've spent, uh, you know, 10 plus years teaching artists and designers. They don't like research. They don't like writing, you know? Um, so a lot of that is you have to go outside of yourself to learn exactly what it is you want to do and what you don't want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And the things, of course, as you said, the things that you do want to do, follow up with them, invest your time in them and get really good at it. And, and people do not, for designers, you know, or, or any kind of technical, like creative skill or technical skill. So website developers, graphic designers, videographers, and everything is not about the creative. Yep. 100%. You have to usually sell something with that creative. So the messaging is really important. Um, but there are a lot, this happens, I hear this a lot. I don't really like to work with them because they don't communicate well because they don't, you know, they just, or they just do, they don't ask questions and stuff. You have to be able to do two things. You have to be able to re research on your own, but also mm -hmm. ask the right questions and, and, and figure out uh, protocols. Like, and, and, you know, one thing that we do for our logo design is we have homework. We actually have people, we have a, a document that we send out to people and says, fill this all out. This will give us an yep. idea of what you're looking for. Um, and everything. That so we actually standardize it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, you know, from that, you also have to listen to what they're saying because a lot of times what they fill out is a little bit different than what they're saying. So being good at communication is, is equally as important as your skill set on Photoshop or Illustrator or Final Cut, any of those kind of things. Um, and, and the other thing that, you know, usually a lot of designers hate and they're fearful of is sales. You know, if you're going to work for yourself, you have to do sales for one thing. But if you're going to yes. work for somebody else, you, you can't think of sales as just saying, give me money and I'll give you this. 
Because if I have this idea that I really want to work on, because 80% of the work that I'm doing is just paying the bills and 20% I'm passionate about, because that happens a lot of time with designers, but I really want to do this idea because I believe that it's the right idea. I'm going to have fun doing it. I'm excited mm -hmm. about it. If I can't sell that to my boss, if I can't sell that to the client, if I can't get that soul, that idea, then that project is not going to move forward. Right. So you have to figure out a way to communicate that, which it can't just be, this is going to be really cool. It's going to look like this and everything. It also has to be, well, this is what the results are going to give you. We're thinking that if we do it this way, it's going to be, you know, if I'm going to the advertising, we're going to do this advertising, this video, this commercial, this way, we think that we're going to get more actions. We're going to get more engagements. We're going to be able to um, draw more attention and in turn, increase your sales, increase your brand awareness and stuff like that. Thinking that and communicating that is huge. There's a lot of phenomenal artists out there, um, but in the advertising world, you can't just be a good artist. You also have to sell and help the client achieve what they're trying to do through creative. Can I tell you one of the favorite things I like about running a design company? Hmm? Sales. <laughs> I have, I, you know, I have a lot of fun with interacting with people and, and pitching them ideas and selling them on ideas and, and being honest and genuine through that process. I've got a lot, I had a lot of marketing students this semester and this past semester now, and a lot of them were afraid like, oh my God, I'm not going to get a marketing job with this Fortune 500 company. And I'm thinking just like go into sales. Like it's simple, just go into sales. You could actually make more money doing sales than you ever could as just a salaried marketing person, right? Yeah. Uh, especially if you're an extroverted people person, like mm -hmm. that trait seems to go so much farther um, than, you know, being an introverted salesperson and knowing everything about the product. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that's funny because when I was figuring out what I wanted to do in college before I had my aha moment of an ad agency, that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, my degree is in video and audio production. I, my degree is on the creative side of things uh, primarily. Right. Um, and I remember dropping off a tape because um, back then you would actually have to drop off a tape with a commercial to a TV station and they would plug it in and play it uh, and, you know, for their airtime. And I remember going to the parking lot and easily being able to pick out that's a news or creative person's car. And then those BMWs, Mercedes, and like mm -hmm. all these luxury cars are our salespeople. And having me realize, well, I, I want nice things, but I like the creative side of things as well too. And that moment is one of the things that actually led me to wanting to be able to do both but knowing how important both sides were uh, to do, at least for, for my path and everything. And money, you know, money doesn't buy happiness and everything. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that. Um, but you have to have money to survive in, in, in today's day and age. Right. Um, and, you know, lack of money is a lot of stress and, and it produces unhappiness. You don't need to have a lot of money, but you can't get in a situation where you have debt and bills and worry and you can't pay them, that kind of thing. Um, and, and 
that's why I think it's an, important to do what you're passionate about, but also you have to think about fiscally. Like you, you have to, to make a living to live the way that you want to live freely. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. And um, I mean, if, you know, to any marketing or design students out there that are reticent about doing sales jobs, like, Hey, there's, that's a good living to that you could tap into for sure. And you still get to have that aspect of creativity. And that's one of the things that I try to tell my, my students is that, yeah, you know, you could, if you want to work in an agency and you want to be a graphic designer, that's all well and good. That's a very competitive field. Um, sometimes those agencies are very fickle and they don't hire a lot of designers. So you're going to have to wait. But if you want into that agency life, then, you know, sales is a good way to do that. Even client representation, a lot of marketing folks, that's where they get started before they can work on creative marketing and things like that. So um, being able to, to manage the clients and their expectations and to be a good buffer between the client and the creatives is critical, especially mm -hmm. if you want to, if you lean more towards the, the creative side of things, you're going to be able to speak both languages and that makes for an even more immersive, but more rewarding experience, I think for all involved. Yeah. And, and we're talking about a very unique person. We're talking about somebody that sure. can operate both sides of the brains. It's yeah. not for everybody. Yeah. Um, but at least have an appreciation and understanding. If you know that your left brain, have an appreciation and understanding for right brain is, is, is useful in what we do. Um, uh, Tim McLaughlin, um, uh, he's one of the co-owners of three, two, one blank. It's a great shop in Aspenwall. Um, he, he says all the time that advertising is a bunch of people that are working together that should never be working together. You know, in no other industry, do you have accounting strategists, salespeople, creatives, like all these different mindsets trying to blend and work together mm -hmm. um, because it's very different people, which makes it fun in a way. It makes it complicated in a way too. Right. <laughs> That's absolutely true. So students double major or pick up a minor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you can, but then again, I mean, the, the majors and the minors are, they're nice if they're in the same thing, but the reality of it is, is that, you, don't, you know, tons of, of individuals are not doing what they went to school to do and True. stuff. Um, so it does help. Like for me, my I have video and audio production majors, I have minors in marketing, minors in sociology, an academic mm -hmm. focus in the visual arts. I started blending those things together because I knew that's what I wanted to do a little bit uh, and everything. I would actually say if you could graduate in three and a half years by not taking a minor, do yeah. that and then spend six months getting the experience because that's going to be more valuable than, than a minor from a university, which no offense, Pitt, great school, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But ex you know, getting that degree and then having a leg up on experience is probably going to get you further ahead than an extra minor. But, you know, I, I'm speaking from experience. I could have graduated in three and a half years. I picked up my sociology minor because I, I wanted to keep on hanging out in college. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the sooner you enter the market, you know, the, the more, work experience you're going to develop and that's going to make you more creative and competitive. Um, and especially at that point in your life, you're still relatively young. So 
you still have that learner's mindset where you're a sponge. So you're going to be able to learn from your art directors, your creative directors, your, your CMOs, et cetera. Uh, and yes. you know, by the time that your peers enter the industry, you'll be so far ahead of them, not only experience wise, but just mentally, like you've leveled up so many times. Yeah. And, and I, I have a, um, uh, actually a new business call in just a few minutes and everything. Uh, so I would just also want to see, is there anything that I can do for you or your students or anything else that, um, that can be done beyond this, this video, which is, which is great. It's an awesome conversation. It's always fun. Well, what I would recommend is for anyone watching any students, wherever you're at, um, to reach out to Jeff, you know, uh, and, like, this is one of those things where I'm not going to give you his contact information. You got to find him, right? Like, find, be proactive and step outside of your shell. Find him on LinkedIn. You know, uh, that's how we, we connected. You know, find his website. Reach out. Contact. Call. Email. Um, reach out to Jeff and ask him for, you know, ask, buy him a digital cup of coffee, basically, right? You know, and uh, say, hey... I may not have anything I can offer you other than, you know, the, a willingness to learn and listen. And um, hopefully you guys will be able to make a friend out of Jeff and, um, you know, gain some advice, uh, especially now when you're starting your careers, as much advice as you can get as possible. And I think Jeff's a really great place to start there. So I would say to you, sir, if you were to able, if you were able to make yourself available to them, which I'm sure you, you obviously would, then I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to do that. Um, and it doesn't also, you know, take it away from this. It doesn't have to be reaching out to me always per se. If you think of somebody that's doing exactly what you want to be doing or what you think you want to be doing, reach out mm -hmm. to them. And in all honesty, it could be somebody huge. It could be somebody famous. It could be somebody, um, you know, that uh, is part of a multi- million billion dollar company as well too if they're doing what you're doing work hard and don't just send one email don't just send one yep. linkedin message keep at it and you know because if it keeps that dripping and going after that you know to talk to mark cuban or whoever gary Vaynerchuk or who, whoever is inspiring you those guys are accessible too they they are they really it just are. takes a little bit of luck and you just you never you gotta work for it yeah yep it's a little bit of luck and a little bit of persistence and everything, but you'll, you'll see, but you know, I'm happy to talk with any of the students. Um, anybody that comes across this video, you know, reach out. Um, I was called, I always have an open door policy to where I'll reserve some time to talk about uh, what we do with um, anybody in my experience to, to just help them along with no other agenda than a good conversation. Sounds great, Jeff. Well, I can think of no better place than to end our conversation then on, yeah. on that uh, generous offer there. So uh, thank you again for your time. Uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. And students, graduates, reach out to Jeff. He knows what he's talking about. Sounds good. Thank you, RJ. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jeff.